You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Howdy, partner. We we went to the West. (laughs) There's a snake in my boot. (laughs) Oh, Abigail is um, in a Toy Story obsession phase of her life. So we've watched. It is, actually, because I can stand to watch the Toy Story movies over and over again because they're so good. <laughs> they're pretty good. They're it's, pretty good. It takes a while for them to get old. And you have four of them, so you get a little bit of a... Yeah. And they have... What happens in the fourth one? Have you watched the fourth one? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Vague, ve- and I do mean vague spoilers, but spoilers nonetheless for the next yeah, so, 30 seconds. Yeah. Which one is the thing with the incinerator? Three. Ah, and does he give away the toys in three? Yes. That's, that's where I let off. Yeah. I was like... You're playing with my emotions on purpose, and I see it. <laughs> and I'm going to have to step off this I tragedy still, train right now. I have watched that movie now probably three or four times. It's hard. I still they're sentient, well man. up. They're sentient. At that scene. That's right. And at the end when he really is, when Woody says, you know, so long, partner. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. It's like, it I is actually, still hard. I do kind of like the kind of the way in which they steer around that bit of closure from like one Owner is a weird word to say yeah. when they're alive. But, you know, to the next, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, but also, I still feel good. But I haven't seen the fourth one. It's good. Ah, I it's s- good. I sensed. I do think if they stopped. had ended at three, they would have a perfect trilogy. What's your favorite? That is so hard because the they're all one. so good. The first one is. But I think the first one is. It's the, just got so yeah. much. The animation has aged, but it's so essential. It is. It's classic. Yeah. Everything about that movie, I think it is a perfect animated movie. Wow. And, and a pretty close to just a perfect movie. How would it stack up against, amongst my favorites of 3D animation, uh, Coco and The Incredibles? Against Coco and The Incredibles, it's right up there, but I think I do like it slightly better. That's very understandable. Um, it's like it's, it's indelible so, to our childhood. It is, and there's just so much about it that, I don't know, it just it has its own its own place in the pantheon of animated movies and movies in general very true but both coco and the incredibles are also top tier i'll say this another recent 3d animated film that is like high key recommend but like with an asterisk it is not intended to be explicitly for children it's more of like general family and i'm like probably not all families it's it's like not completely kid gloves but it's called the sea beast on netflix I think you've told me a little bit about I'm this. I'm sure that I have. <laughs> I love it. It's excellent. It, you know, some of the beats are like, you know, like this character type has to do this sort of thing to redeem themselves or whatever. But dang, it's really fun. The thing that I found so funny about it is like they're pirates. Okay. Sea beasts. They're beast hunters, not a pirates, but let's be real. It's a piratey kind of thing. <laughs> and there's like rum or something. You know what I mean? I'm like, uh, yes. it's so funny because I expect that in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I don't expect that in Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Why there's like, there's like this whole, there's like a whole musical moment in a tavern. I'm like, this is a fantastic moment and also a very weird experience. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. I'll have to give that a watch because we're in the 3D animated film it's a good one. mood it's recently. A good one. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, happy to hear it. Happy yeah. to hear it. Well, on another note, <laughs> in a recent podcast episode, we were talking about the proper application of scripture, specifically in regards to Israel's civil law, a time honored topic to be sure (laughs) i remember everyone loves to talk about it oh yes an examination of israel's civil law nothing more exciting oh man 
We we do. I, I I say we as if we're in charge of this, but it could use a rebranding <laughs> because the content is like more interesting than the title suggests. I feel like I pity anyone who is like, yeah, I, so what? I'm gonna skip that. I'm like, no, no, come on, give man. it a shot. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's cooler than those two words together actually sound. Let me tell you what. <sighs> so, yeah, if there were a bunch of accidents on the day that aired because people were, you know, they just like felt like, oh, civil law, and they dozed off while they were listening on their way to work. Like, I apologize. But at any rate, I offhandedly, during that episode, mentioned there are at least three different kinds of application hmm. comes to scripture. Behavioral, cognitive, and affective, affective, like, you know, with an A. Yeah. You know, like, your emotions, not effective. Like, oh, yeah, it had a great if- effect on me. I definitely prefer you know? affective. I mean, though it would, you know, <laughs> if, it is, if it is affective, it should have a great effect yeah. on you. If, right? if it succeeds in being affective, it must have been affective effectively. I, I actually language. don't like myself. <laughs> I don't like that I spent the time to say that. <laughs> the English language is an enigma. So, anyway, I mentioned those and said, maybe that would make a good podcast episode. Wow. And voila! Here mm, we are. So, you know? we have to do the actual hard work of application. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it when we talked about the theory of doing it more. Yes! Isn't that more fun? Yeah. <laughs> isn't it fun? Like, oh, let's keep it abstract and <laughs> obtuse. And actually, oh. in a, a book on preaching I was reading recently, the author was making the point that this is where, when a preacher. Sometimes they can do too good a job at application, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so at that point, he said, a lot of churches will think that the pastor has gone from relating well to them to, oh, now he's just meddling with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, is a, you know, it is a tough thing. Like if you actually, you know, yeah. you can do the generic like platitude, like, oh, this applies in a really broad sense. People are like, oh, yeah, like that'd be good for my neighbor. Or, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, I can agree with that too. Like, sure. let me really... Take this down to a fine razor point. Yeah, and people are like, mm, mm, "No one's ready for that." Yeah, like mm, you're I agree. With too it close to home, abstractly. You know, yeah, but like when you actually apply it to me, yeah. I'm not into I that. I don't like that. But we got to do it. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's what's got to happen. So, anyway, based on my own personal experience, I think most people tend toward a purely behavioral view of Bible application. Mm. So by that, I mean, they'll ask a question, in what ways does this passage require me to take action in the world or modify my behaviors? Sure. So, you know, that's a legitimate category of application. Don't get me wrong. It should not be overlooked. (laughs) I think, because I think there has also been a pendulum swing that because this has been such a prominent form of application, you get the pendulum swing the other way where people are like, well, we're not going to talk about behavioral application at all because we'll become moralists oh, or legalists. It's like, yeah. you just overcompensate. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, there are imperatives in the Bible. You, know, like, yeah. you do have to do things, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I hate to break it to you. I hate to break it to me. You know, I read those. I'm like, do I have to? But I mean, you know, consider just these verses, for example, you got mm. Romans 13, 13, where Paul says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness. Which is just pretty clear. Like orgies, you know, like you just got to throw that in it's there. It's not casual. Yeah. So not in those, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. So mm. pretty clear behaviors yeah. you're not supposed to do. Sure. So, you know, stop it. If you just stop it. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5.14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak. Mm. Again. Pretty. Yep. These pretty are things direct. you need to go do. Yeah. Go do them. And then, uh, you know, Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Mm. So pretty clear-cut imperatives, yeah. commands, behavioral expectations here. Yeah, yeah. You can't get around. True. You know, it's just like there's no like, there's no saying, well, you know, 
but really, I need to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Amsterdam. I'm, I'm, <laughs> the Amsterdam on. loophole. Yes. Of course, oh, yes, of I course. But I was like, I forgot about that. Uh, yes, and just... Amsterdam, Romans 13, 13 doesn't apply. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, there's no Amsterdam clause for those, for those concerned. No, no, there are not. So yes, obviously we are expected to apply the truth of Scripture behaviorally. Mm. There are explicit commands all over the Bible about how Christians are supposed to conduct themselves. Certain things we must do, must not do, etc. It's a fairly obvious category for most folks. We don't struggle with this one. <laughs> well, and, yeah, we don't struggle <laughs> acknowledging that... <laughs> This is a category. Yes. <laughs> that is correct. We recognize it. We just don't always do it. Yeah. So all that said, I think, you know, we know how to look out for those sorts of things. Exactly. Exactly. It. Yes. Doing it, as you pointed out, is another topic altogether. <laughs> we make a good podcast. So, oh, but. We do, I think, run into difficulties with the two other categories, like even acknowledging them yeah. and creating mental heart space for these, which is the cognitive and affective mm -hmm. applications. And that's a pretty big deal because the vast majority of Scripture does not contain explicit imperatives related to our behavior. Just doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, you're just you're really going to be stretching and wondering how in the world can I apply this verse, because there's no explicit command in it. Yeah. You know, you have a ton of narrative, tons of poetry. People love the poetry. <laughs> oh, yes, poetry. Tons of prophecy. And you have to figure out how that applies to you. Because again, as the Bible itself says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. So that means that all the word of God is supposed to be applicable in one way or another. You know, it, Paul says it's all profitable and it can all be used for training, reproof, correction. That means that the narrative, the poetry, and the prophecy mm. is supposed to do that for us. Yeah. So that means we have to discern how those less obvious sections do in fact apply. It's starting to sound like a little too much hard work, Josiah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it is, you know, it's like it requires meditation and prayer sure, to think through yeah. how to do it properly, because there are lots of we don't even really talk about this or have space in the time that we have in this episode to talk about it. But like improper application. Oh, yeah. Oh, OK. People are excellent at that. Yes. I, yes. Does I it actually, benefit you? I it... just I just now remembered. <laughs> <laughs> So, as of this recording, I'm getting ready to preach on the parable of the, what we're going to reveal is the not-so-aptly named prodigal son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I listened to a preacher, this has been a year or two ago, <laughs> he was preaching this text, one of the most beautiful in all of scripture. Mm. There has not been a parable that has had more artists, poets, commentators, theologians yeah. and pastors comment, yeah. like, do something with it. Right. At all. Like, I mean, I think that's been scholastically verified. Mm. This fella oh, is preaching this passage, and when he starts to get to his application, he says, now, you know the reason that this boy got himself into a heap of trouble and left home, right? Oh, no. It's because his mama wasn't in the kitchen. What? Oh, no. Oh, he starts no. talking about, like, no, how no, 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 his no, no, mother... No. Oh, my gosh. ...didn't provide the kind of a home that he would want to be in, it's like, dude, 
the mother doesn't even figure in this story. Yeah, she's not there. There's, like, I mean, she's, she's not in the credits. You know, it's like it's not like doesn't show up. She, there. It's, it's not. Is she dead? Is she gone? Like, who who knows? It's not part of the story. <laughs> like, that is there is no legitimate application uh, happening. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, he's also he's creating so... like like non-canonical backstory. Yes, it's a parable. <laughs> yes, it's a parable. Like, come on, what? dude. So anyway, this issue of application, to your point, wow. it's hard work, and it's so easy to just be yeah. like, oh, yeah, let me... Something happened to him recently. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, like, this is under my skin. <laughs> like, let, let me invent the best. <laughs> let me tell you what. <laughs> it was nuts. Oh, God. So anyway, yeah, you can't do that, and it is hard work. And uh, yeah, so that's why we got to talk about it and create these categories mm. and think through it and work through it and uh, figure it out. So, for example... Under the limited view of application as pure behavioral modification, how would you apply a verse like Ephesians 1.3, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There are no imperatives in that yeah. verse. There's, there are only indicatives. I mean, so what do you do with that? Just, <laughs> I, you know? I think you'd spend much of the Bible just sitting there reading it and saying like, oh, it's a, it's a nice thought. Yeah, like, like <laughs> without letting it influence you in any way, I guess. Like, like oh, that's pretty. What a what a neat thing. Yeah, right. So if you don't want to do that, <laughs> you can apply it cognitively or affectively. You know, which, in case you're wondering, as we pointed out earlier, you know, that should have an effect on your behavior anyway, right? Yeah. Like it should change the way you conduct yourself. So these two applications, cognitive is exactly what it sounds like. It just changes the way you think about something. And you know, ironically enough, the scripture is full of commands about how we think. So you got Paul saying in Romans 12, 1 through 2, in a very famous passage, actually two famous passages we're pulling from here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, there's any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm. So thinking is a very important category in scripture. Cognitive yeah. application matters. There's definitely like a lot of, of inner work that God apparently cares a lot about. Yes, it's as if <laughs> what happens inside of us is just as important, if perhaps not more important, <laughs> than what's going on outside yes. of us. You don't say, mm. for out of the heart the mouth speaks, but <laughs> <laughs> that's neither here nor there, am I right? <laughs> No, so for example, okay, let's let's take a concrete instance of this. If you're reading the story of Joseph in Genesis 37, mm -hmm. you know, and you're reading that and you're thinking, man, how can I apply the truths of this story? Well, the application point is certainly not get yourself sold into slavery to save the world from famine. Okay, that's just. <laughs> I mean, look though, if you do have world hunger solutions, we we don't we we'd all be keen to hear them. <laughs> We're listening. <laughs> Elon Musk is supposed to be listening, yeah. right? He's like, if you guys can actually... Yeah, let's get him to donate another cool $6 yeah. billion dollars That's right. <laughs> to some, someone. Again, just to someone. Proves, yeah. And it's like, does anyone actually know how this works? Like, no, <laughs> evidently we don't. We've, you know, postulated about oh, it so long. Man. We don't know how to apply it. But yeah. anyway, so there are legitimate behavioral applications that you could glean from his story. Sure. Okay. But there's a huge cognitive application to be gleaned as well. And I think it's, you know, the theme that really holds the story together <laughs> that really runs through the whole thing. 
which is that our faith requires that we think differently about the events of history in our lives, Hmm. which is that they're not the hapless events of chance, but rather that even what our enemies mean for evil, God means for good. Sure. You know, so, I mean, that requires a radical mindset shift. Yeah. It's not so much of the practical behavioral things that actually influence that so much as your understanding and your perspective. Yeah. Right. I mean, it kind of changes the way you think about everything. Yeah. If you internalize that cognitive truth, you know, which is funny because we'd say like, oh, like, yeah, so what, I think, you know, but Hmm. as I think Chesterton was fond of quipping in the early 1900s, everything matters to everybody nowadays, except for what everyone thinks about everything. (laughs) Like he was starting to say, it's like your overall like philosophy of life and how you take the universe. Like Mm. people don't care about that. They're like, oh, we care about everything except that. Well, here's a cognitive application of this story that precisely affects how you think about everything because it means that nothing falls outside of God's purview. Like even what other people mean for ill toward you, he means for good. That's yeah. just that is a totally different way of thinking about the world. So that's a cognitive application, pretty big one, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also affective application, which is supposed to change the way we feel about something. Mm, I like this. This is <laughs> this so far so good. <laughs> we, you know, feelings contrary to some, Let's you know, explore trans- this. yes, like that's the uh, feelings are given to us by God. So, you know, I mean, again, you have some very classic texts about this mm. where Paul says, like in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice or First Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Mm. You really, uh, you really went the route of optimism there. <laughs> I did, but I could have easily have gone to, you know, say the entire book of <laughs> Lamentations. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's true. That's true. alternatively called the wailings in Hebrew, you know, oh, like that boy. pretty accurately captures yeah. it. But I mean, you do, you get really both. And I do yeah, think it's yeah, easy yeah. to highlight the affective side that is the high points. Yeah. But, but there like is the, also, you have everything in the Psalms. It's like, you do. Yes. You really want a robust, holistic taxonomy for your heart. Mm. The Psalms. Yeah. You can't do better than the Psalms, mm. you know? They're just so wonderful. But um, let's take perhaps a not-so-obvious example. Like, when you're reading in the Gospels about how Jesus healed people and showed compassion to them, and then you read, like, in Matthew 12, where Jesus is doing this, and he quotes the prophet Isaiah and says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Hmm. There's no pertinent, again, behavioral application there, right. obviously. Even, you know, cognitive, like, obviously, okay, that that might change the way you think about it, but, like, if you're reading the Gospels from a position of faith, you already know. You probably already assented to the fact, oh, Jesus is the Messiah, yeah. and, of course, he comes to, you know, heal and restore. But, like, but you ever think about the way your heart feels about him, mm. like, the way you feel about Jesus, right. not just that you're like, oh, yes, he's the Messiah, of course, and he heals people, and he did this, and he fulfilled prophecy, but, I mean, is he the kind of person that when you think about him, when you read about him, you would run through fire and water to get at him. Mm. Like you want to be near him. Because I think in addition to like, oh yeah, Matthew wants to show you how Jesus fulfills this kind of a prophecy. He also wants to stir your affections for Jesus, you know, because you could, I think, you know, make behavioral application here. You You could say like, treat the downcast like Christ did. Or, you know, or there could be some cognitive, you know, like think about the downcast like bruised reeds and not, you know, like, you know, hopeless cases. It might inform your posture about certain things. Yeah, there are certain imitative aspects here, but you're missing so much. Sure, yeah. If you're not just reading that, I mean, every time I come to that passage in my reading, I know it's coming. Richard Sibbs wrote a beautiful book called The Bruised Reed that took this passage at a starting point. 
and it just really fleshed out even more the dynamic that Matthew is showing here in regards to Christ. And so if you're reading a passage like that and all you're thinking about is those aspects, you're missing the fact that you've got here in this verse, Christ, the mighty God and Messiah, who has all power to work wonders and to do amazing things that are beyond our ability to to really comprehend fully, yeah, is also the gentle and lowly one who won't snap an already broken person to just finish the job mm. like most people would. Say like, oh, like, well, no, you're you're already bruised up. There's no hope for you. Like, I'm gonna go spend my time on other people who present a better option to me. Like, no, yeah. Christ seeks out the bruised reeds and the smoldering wicks to restore them and to tend to them in a spirit of kindness and love. And like, if you don't like feel the broken places in your life and then think, oh no, like Christ is at home there. You know, like if you can say it reverently, like your pain is his home. Mm. And that like doesn't stir something inside your affections. It's like, that's just sad to me. <laughs> you know, like it, that just makes me sad for you. Cause like, I mean, that just, that changes a person, I yeah. think, you know, and it did, it changed all the people who Christ did that for, you know, a lot of bruised reeds and smoldering ricks were brought back to life and healed and restored by him. And uh, that includes us, you know? Yeah. So that's an affective application. Mm. You know, you come to Christ and be like, no, like he's the kind of person, like Mary, I would want to sit at his feet. Right. And just listen to him. So hopefully that's a useful taxonomy of application that will open up the whole counsel of God's word to us more and more, because otherwise it gets pretty hard to you know, <laughs> think through how it all applies. So thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. If you found this helpful... If you're going to apply some of what we've talked about in your Bible reading, and you want to leave us an honest five-star review. Yeah, allow this Podcast to affect platform. your behavior. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And leave that review. If we change the way that you thought about application, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can march right on over to the Apple Podcast platform and leave us an honest five-star review. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, as always, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.